Uh, my name is Brandon, one of the pastors here at River City Church. Good to be with you guys this morning. Looking forward to uh, studying God's Word together with you. Uh, last week uh, we began a, a short kind of two-week series on uh, thinking about the idea of, of the church and of church membership. And what does the Bible have to say about the local church? And what does it have to say about being a part or being a member of a local church? And, and so that's where we're headed. We're kind of part two this morning. And uh, so last week we, we really tried to define what does the Bible have to say about the church? What, what is it? And how does the Bible see it and understand it? And, and so we said that the Bible talks about the church as being uh, local and universal, right? And so the church is universal. It's made up of all believers over all time, people who have trusted in and hoped in the gospel, people that put their faith in the gospel of Jesus. That's who is the church universal, right? And so there's not just the church universal, the church is ga- the universal church that is gathered into local congregations, local bodies of believers, like, for example, River City Church here in Dubuque. So the church is local and universal. The church is also, we said, it's gathered and scattered. And we said that because the church is a people and not a place, that the church doesn't cease to exist when we pray and conclude our meeting here together, but rather we're, uh, we are the church gathered when we meet together here, and we are the church scattered when we are sent into our lives, into small groups, and into all places throughout the week, sent as uh, the church into the world, that we might make much of Jesus and shine his light throughout the world. And lastly, I close by saying that the church is worth prioritizing. The Bible paints it in this immensely valuable picture, and I try to give you three reasons I think the Bible shows that, and I said the church is worth valuing and prioritizing because it's God's idea, not man's idea. And I said, Jesus in Matthew 18 is the one that says, on this church I will build, on this rock I will build my church. And so the church is his, it's his idea. He invented it, he created it, he builds it, he informs it, he continues it on. And so the church was not invented by man as a great strategy to try to carry out the things that Jesus told us to do, but it was invented and carried out and instituted by Jesus himself. And we said, the church is valuable and worth prioritizing, not just because it's God's idea, but because we need it. It's needed by us and it's needed by others. And we said, it's needed by us for our good and for our growth. The Bible talks about it being necessary that we're designed for community, we're designed for relationship, and that without that, we're not going to grow. We're not going to mature. We're not going to grow up into who God is calling us to be. And we said, and we looked at Ephesians chapter 3, right? And we said that the church is God's primary method, his plan A for the advancing and the spreading of the gospel throughout every nation and time and people and place and generation. At Ephesians 3, it says that, um, that before the foundations of the earth, God's plan, the mystery that was revealed was that it was the church that through the church, God would make himself known to the world. And lastly, we said, the church is worth prioritizing because it's about God and not about us. All, the church is all about him. It's unto him. It's for him. It's about him. It's, it's culminating in him. And so when it's not about us, it doesn't terminate in our good. It doesn't terminate, it doesn't end in just being about us, but it ends in being about him then, man, that's worth immensely valuing and prioritizing. And so I closed last week and I said, if, if the church really is as valuable and worth prioritizing as the Bible seems to think it is, then like, we need to respond to that. We can't just be like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Move on. We need to respond to that, right? And so that's what this week is about. What does it look like for us to live in response to the incredibly high value and priority that the Bible seems to place on the local church? 
What does it look like for us to commit to um, the flourishing of the local church and the flourishing of that mission? And so I believe that the Bible seems clear that that has a lot to do with church membership and being a part of a local church. And so before we dive in, uh, my, I want you to know my heart is to help lay out for us a, a biblical framework of what it means to be a member of a local church and how the Bible seems to talk about that. My goal is not to recruit you all to membership in this church, right? Many of you don't even live in Dubuque. That would be weird, right? Um, but my goal is to help all of us see a framework for an understanding of the importance and the urgency of uh, which the Bible seems to place on the local church. And I think no matter where you're at, then that's important for us. Um, right, so let me pray, and we'll dive into our study this morning. I trust that it will be helpful and good. Man, it's been challenging for me as I've studied and prepped. I felt like I've, I've done that. I've learned and grown, and it's been really good. So uh, I trust that God's been working in me so that he might be working in you. So let's pray, and we'll uh, study to that end. God, thanks so much for you. Thanks most of all for you. <laughs> Thank you that our gathering today is not just uh, just because we like each other or just because it's fun. Um, God, we thank you that our gathering is a remembrance and a celebration and a, and a giving ourselves again to you and to your purposes and your kingdom and, and your priorities. And so as we think about what it looks like for us to respond to all that you've done for us, King Jesus, and, and how you've created the church to be about you and for you and, and to be the, the primary means by which the gospel is advanced, I pray that you would help us to see your heart for the local church and, and your heart for our involvement in it. And so we just ask that you give us humble and soft and teachable hearts towards that end. Yeah, so I, and most of all, God, I just pray as well, just that you would fill me with your spirit so that I'd have anything valuable to, to say or to offer this morning. God, on my own, I, I can't bring anything worth anything this morning. And, and so I trust that you fill me so that I might uh, make much of you and that I might call uh, this church to, to your heart and your vision for it. Pray these things in your good name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, just briefly talk about how does the Bible talk about church membership? Unfortunately, there is no verse that says thou shalt become a member at a local church. There is no book to turn into the Bible about church membership. There is uh, no section conveniently labeled by the, by the uh, transcribers as on church membership or how to become a church member. It's just not, it's not like that, right? But... Rather, uh, that doesn't mean that the idea of church membership isn't in the Bible. Rather, it means that it is assumed at, at a root level. There's like a root level understanding of membership and assumption about it in the very context of the writing of Scripture. It's, it's kind of like an involuntary action. The New Testament writers would have seen it this way. Um, no one has to tell you to breathe. You just do that. Nobody is reminding you. That would be, de- that would be really bad, especially if you had ADD. Like, you would be dead, right? Um, and so the, the idea that Christians would approach belonging to, being connected to, being deeply committed to a local church as optional, that, that would have sounded like sheer lunacy to the writers of the New Testament. That wouldn't have even been on their radar of, of things to process for them. It's kind of like um, going to Chipotle and ordering a salad. No one does that. And if they do, it's because... They have terribly sad lives and hate themselves, right? Like, you just, it's not, you don't even think about it. You go to Chipotle, you get a burrito. That's what you do. You don't think that there's other choices. You just get the burrito, right? I feel like that's a lot of the ways that, and similarly, that's, I think, a lot of the 
the writers of the New Testament would have approached thinking about church membership. It, it's just what you do. It, it's, it's a natural, normal part of what it means to, as a response to following Jesus. Um, so, but don't take my word for it. Let's look in the Bible and see what God's word actually has to say about that a little bit, right? Um, I, I think uh, because there's no verse that's like, thou shalt become a church member, we need to see it in the inferences that are there. And I think mainly where that shows up is so many of the commands in the New Testament make absolutely no sense if there's no idea of church membership and church leadership. They just don't make any sense at all. So we don't have time to talk about all of them, but I think one of the most clear examples is just how the Bible talks about the leadership of the church in passages like 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1. These are two really classic passages that talk about the qualifications for leaders in the church. But if there's no members of a church, then what's the point of leaders? If there's no one to lead, then there's no need for leaders to be in a church. In addition to these qualifications, there's really explicit commands for these leaders about how they're supposed to shepherd the flock that is under their care. And there's also really specific commands about for the Christians with under those leaders to submit to the leadership of those leaders. Shepherds look after their sheep, not any sheep wandering around. It's all they can do to keep those suckers from walking off a cliff, right? And so they don't have time to worry about somebody else's sheep, let alone they're trying to focus their attention on their own sheep. Likewise, um, sheep know their shepherd. Um, It's kind of like my dog. If I tell him to sit, he sits sometimes. If you tell him to sit and you don't have bacon in your hand, he's not interested in you. Like he's not responding to you. He's not listening to you. He's not, he doesn't know you. He knows me. I think similarly, um, submission to authority as it's, as it's laid out in Scripture is not just everyone submits to anyone who says they have authority, but rather it's um, followers of Jesus willingly submit themselves and put themselves under the authority of Christian leaders. And they do that um, for their own good, but they also do that for the good of the leaders. And uh, we'll talk about this more a little bit later this morning, but the calling of a leader to shepherd the flock is like an incredibly high calling and one with like a great amount of weight that's associated with it. So we'll get there. But just secondly, as another really important example, there is uh, language throughout the New Testament describing Christians as members of a body. Right? And it doesn't, it doesn't use language about choice. It doesn't use language about, um, about just like participants. It says you are members of the body, which means you're a part of it. You're deeply connected to it. You're deeply committed to it. You're not, it doesn't describe you as clothes to a body. It describes Christians as part of the body. And so there is member and body language that's associated throughout the New Testament with regards to that. There are a ton more examples. We don't have time to get through them this morning. But I wanted you to see, hopefully, that, that, that underlying assumption that people are deeply connected to, deeply committed to, as members of a, ch- of a local church, that assumption is underlying all of the writing within the New Testament. And many of the commands just make no sense at all if there isn't membership and leadership. So, secondly, what the Bible does not say about membership, Right? Chiefly, the Bible says nothing about membership making you right with God. Being a member at a local church does not affect your status or your standing with God in any way, shape, or form. There's only one thing that affects your status or standing with God, and that's King Jesus' redeeming work on your behalf. 
That's it. That's the one thing that affects your status or standing with God. And so becoming a member at church doesn't, doesn't affect that at all. You don't get extra credit with God by becoming a church member. It's not like an extra awesome thing on your spiritual resume before him that you present and they're like, God, look at all the great things that I did. Um, you already have Jesus's resume presented on your behalf. His resume is, you're, you're not improving it. There's no possible way that we could improve on the resume that we have because we're in Jesus. And so to think that we could add something to Jesus' resume to present before the Lord that we would be more acceptable, he would be more proud with us, that is crazy talk. And chiefly, it reveals that we don't understand the gospel if that's how we approach and live in that kind of way. No, membership is not about getting something from God. Membership is about responding to him. It's about living in light of who he's made us to be and committing ourselves to him and to his people. So how does the Bible talk about membership and understanding this idea? Chiefly here, our time this morning, I want to flesh out this idea that membership in a church is founded on the idea of covenant, not contract. Right? Membership is founded on the idea of covenant and not contract. A contract is about an exchange of goods or services. You do this and I will do this. Right? You provide me with cell phone service, I will pay you ridiculous amounts of money. Contracts can be broken. They can be renegotiated. You stop paying your cell phone bill, you stop watching cat videos on the, in the car ride. It's just how it works. If you don't pay, the contract is voided. It's ended. What you bring to the table and what the other party brings to the table, you, those two things come together. And if they don't match or if they're not kept, then the contract is broken or it's voided or it's renegotiated. The way that the Bible talks about membership in a church is not a contract. It's not a, well, if the church does this for me, <coughs> then I will do this for the church and there'll be this back and forth and back and forth. No, that's a contract. Rather, the Bible describes what it looks like to be a part of a member of a church in a covenant kind of relationship. <coughs> See, a covenant is different than a contract because it is not based on the response of the other. In a covenant, you're saying, instead of, if you do this, I will do this. In a covenant, you're saying, no matter what happens, I'm giving myself to you. <coughs> See, marriage is a really uh, great example of this. It's about a husband and a wife giving themselves to one another. Right? The vows are what? For better or worse. For richer, for poorer. It's no matter the situation, no matter the circumstances, in marriage, you're saying, I'm committing myself to you. I'm giving myself to you. No matter what happens, I'm in it with you. Could you imagine if you're uh, sitting at a wedding and the vows go something like this? Well, I'll marry you if you agree to always cook delicious meals. Well, okay, I'll marry you if, if you agree to do the dishes. Okay, well, fine, I'll do the dishes, but that means you're going to have to take out the trash. Okay, well, I will take out the trash, but that means you're going to need to do... You would just leave. You would just walk out of that, right? There might be booze that happen in that kind of a wedding vow. You would be sitting there like, what is happening? This is, this is not love. This is not, like, what is going on here? See, because marriage is not about contract. Marriage is about covenant. No matter what the circumstances, you're saying, I'm giving myself to you. See, God's relationship with us is about covenant and not contract. That is incredibly good news. 
If our relationship with God is about contract, we would be so screwed. See, covenant is not about what we bring to the table. It's about what God brings to the table. It's not about how much we can keep our commitment. It's about how much he keeps his commitment to us. We just studied a passage this week in small groups in John where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples and he shows them his great love for them and he shows them his like incredible servant heart and his compassion towards them. And he does that knowing that that very night one of them will betray him and one of them will disown him. And he still washes their feet and humbly loves them and humbly serves them because it's not about what the disciples would bring to the table. It's about what Jesus would do. See, covenant is different than contract because covenant says, I am going to become this for you. I'm going to become the love that you need. I'm going to become the servant that you need. And in a covenant relationship, you pray, God, I pray that there will be reciprocity there. I pray that the other will respond in likewise kind back to me. But covenant doesn't say, I will only do it if they respond. Covenant says, no matter what, I'm giving myself. I'm pushing my chips in. I'm, I'm going all in on this relationship, knowing that I will probably fail and that you will probably fail and there will be conflict and there will be hard things. You see, we don't approach marriage as consumers. We don't approach it like a contract of consumers. We approach marriage as a covenant, and that's what it is. Likewise, we are intended to approach being a part of the body of Christ, a part of the local church in a covenant kind of relationship, not in a contract. See, our culture is quick to push of the weight for the quick to push away from the table. It's quick to say, "I'm not happy with the situation. I'm, I don't feel fed. I don't feel loved. I don't feel served. I don't feel I'm pushing away. I'm pulling back from the situation." And the attitude that we're called to bring to the church throughout Scripture is one that says, "What can I give? What can I bring? No matter what is given, no matter is what is responded, how God can I serve you and your kingdom and your people?" Because membership is not about contract, it's about covenant. That radically changes things. If covenant membership then is about covenant and not contract, then it is certainly more than attendance. In a covenant, you give yourself to the other person. You give yourself to that. And when you are a covenant member of a church, it's about giving yourself to that people and that local church, that body of people. Spurgeon, a famous old preacher, wrote this, All who have first given themselves to the Lord should as speedily as possible give themselves to the Lord's people. You cannot cannot be known, you cannot be loved, and you certainly cannot give yourself to a people if you just show up somewhere. It's not possible to be known and loved and to give yourself to people if you just attend somewhere. A lot of times people today think about their religious ideas or or faith as being just something that's between us and God. Unfortunately, um, the New Testament writers would have looked on that idea as like sheer lunacy because there's almost 60 times throughout the New Testament that it uses the phrase one another. See, living out the gospel, responding to Jesus and all that he's done can never be done by yourself. It is intrinsically rooted in community and in relationship. 
There's love one another, bear with one another, be patient with one another, care for one another, take care of each other's needs over and over and over again. So you see, we've not just been called to love God, we've been called to love God's people as well. You cannot do that by yourself. It requires you giving yourself to God's people as the local church to be committed to a local body of believers that they might help you grow and that you might help them. Secondly, if membership really is about covenant, then it is not about a voluntary association in a club. Jonathan Lehman in this book, Church Membership, draws out this idea really helpfully, and he says, we love in our country to gather into associations and clubs. Uh, at the college I went to, there was more than 200 student orgs that you could be a part of. 200. There was like 5,000 people on campus. There's just not that many, right? And so there is a club or a group for everyone in every possible realm of the world. And with the, with the advent of the internet and it's advancing, like there is a club for any possible interest you could possibly have. But these clubs and groups are about a voluntary association, right? You join them because you have like-minded beliefs and because um, they serve some purpose for good in your own life, right? We don't gather as a church like the Elks Lodge or the Gun Club or whatever we, because we just have the same beliefs or interests. See, Scripture never talks about local church and church membership that way. It never talks about it as like joining a club or joining a group Rather, church membership is talked about throughout Scripture as about being belonging to or being a part of a family, a nation, and a people. Lehman goes on to write this. I just thought this was really helpful. Just as the Bible establishes the government of our nations as the highest authority on earth when it comes to our citizenship in that country, so the Bible establishes the local church as our highest authority on earth when it comes to our discipleship to Christ, our citizenship in Christ's kingdom, and in his nation. See, if the local church then is an expression of a believer's citizenship, if it's more about being a part of a family and a nation than about being a part of a club, then the language of joining a church, that doesn't really make any sense. Do you join a family? No. You submit to the leadership of your parents. You submit to the authority of your parents. Do you join a country? No, you submit to the laws of the land that you live in. You submit to the laws of the country that you're in. In the same way, believers don't just join a local church. They submit to a body of believers, and they say, I'm giving myself to you. I'm putting myself under the submission so that we would might submit to one another together. This leads me to my next point. If membership really is about covenant, then it requires a willing sacrifice and submission. It's a sacrifice for the good of others. See, the church is not about you. It's not about me. It's about God and about his people and his kingdom. And so having an attitude of giving and joining and sacrificing for the good of the church and for the good of others, that's the attitude we've been called to have towards the church. Likewise, Lehman again in his book writes this, Church, submission, church, uh, church membership will require submission to one another. There's no higher vision of church membership than to understand it as a mutual submission to a body that is growing into Christ. It's about the believers of a body coming together and saying, I'm giving myself to all of you. 
that we together would grow up in Christ, that we together would serve as all the necessary parts of the body of Christ. As well, church covenant church membership will require submission to leadership and authority. Now, I know that that idea can sound pretty alarming, and I know that our culture is riveted with people who have been burnt and hurt and even sinned against by leaders in churches, and I want to acknowledge that. But I also want to paint for us a picture of the way that the Bible talks about the way church leaders are supposed to see their role. 1 Peter chapter 5 says this, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing to, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording authority over those who have been entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. See, the authority and that is shown in Scripture, that is asked of, of church leaders and is asked for members to submit to, is one that is characterized and modeled and displayed by Jesus himself. In Ephesians, he says that Christ died for the church, that he gave his life for her. There's no me- greater measure of love and sacrificial humble service than that of King Jesus. And it's his example by which leaders in the church are held accountable to and are, are modeled after. There is a, a really great weight with that. It, it, Hebrews 13 uh, says it this way. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Submit to them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Aaron and I take those commands really, really seriously. God is going to hold Aaron and I accountable for the way that we shepherd and and lead this church. That's not something that we take lightly. It's not something that we're just like, oh yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. That's something that we like deeply care about, something that we pray about together. God is really clear how he feels about bad shepherds. I've read the verses. Trust me, God is absolutely ferociously opposed to them. If the God of the universe is opposed to that, then that's like your dad says, uh, you don't want to find out what will happen if you come back after curfew? You come back before the curfew, right? That's, I think, the way that God's challenging leaders to see it, right? God's opposition towards leaders who are about their own gain, who don't care deeply for the flock, who aren't, their leadership isn't modeled by and centered on Jesus. The words he uses, he says, I am opposed to you, I will remove you. When the king of the universe says, I'm going to remove you if you don't take care of my sheep, that is serious language. That's the kind of weight and understanding that Aaron and I see the role by which we've been given as leaders within this church. It's, it's my honest and deep prayer that God would make me the kind of leader that's worth, that's, that you would want to be under my leadership and under our leadership. 
Likewise, being under authority is good. Not just that you should be under the authority of the leaders of this church, but Aaron and I are willingly submit ourselves to the authority of others. That's why there's a that's why a huge part of the reason that we're not a non-denominational church, but rather we're a part of a denomination, the Evangelical Free Church of America. As well, that's why we're part of the Acts 29 Church Planning Network. Because those are safeguards and those are places that Aaron and I have chosen to put ourselves under the authority of other followers of Jesus and other leaders so that they might help safeguard you guys in case something crazy happens to one of us. You see, it's good for us to be under God's authority. It's good for our kids to be under the parents' authority. It's good for church members to be under the authority of church leadership gladly and willingly. Because as leaders, as parents, and God himself, we're called to seek your good and not and your growth, not our own gain. Lastly then, this morning, covenant membership is predicated on and committed to unity. If you're going to sacrificially serve the local church, if you're going to submit to the leadership of a local church, then you are going to want to be aligned to that local church. You don't just walk in the doors of anywhere that says church on the, on the header and say, great, I'd like to be under somebody's authority. This will be awesome. You want to have really important and key things in common. You want to have unity with the people who, you're, who you are giving yourself to, who you're submitting yourself to. The only reason you make a covenant with someone is because you want to be in covenant with them. You don't sign up for a covenant that you don't want to be in. You don't marry someone that you don't like. That's crazy. You've looked into it and you've invested it. That's what dating is about, right? You see, is this person someone I want to be committed to for the rest of my life? That's a big reason why we have the membership class, right? The membership class is not about gaining entrance into the membership of River City, but it's about you guys finding out where we're at and what we believe and what the church is about and what's important to us and seeing, am I on that? Am I, do I agree with that? Do I want to be united with that? Do I want to give myself to that purpose and to that theology and to that mission? Do I want to be on that team? Now, what that unity doesn't mean is just I agree about every possible thing in the universe with everyone and there's unicorns dancing around, right? Rather, what it, we would define unity uh, at River City in three ways. That we would want our members to be, have theological unity, to have philosophical unity, and to have relational unity. So what does that mean, right? So we want our members to have a theological unity. Are we aligned, not on every possible theological issue, but on the really important things? Do we agree about the urgency and the importance of the role of Scripture and its authority in our lives? Do we agree about what the gospel is and what it says and what it does not say? Do we agree about what the leadership of a church should look like and how it should be structured? Do we agree about the, the big rocks, the really important things? There is definitely room for disagreement in our church on some secondary issues. But the primary things, you've got to be in alignment with us if, if you want to be a member here. That just wouldn't make sense. That's just saying like marrying somebody and saying, I totally disagree with everything they want to do with their life. Let's get married. That wouldn't make sense at all. Secondly, you don't just want to have theological unity, we want to have philosophical unity, which means we believe the same things and we believe they should be applied and lived out in the same way. Not every church has the same philosophy of ministry. That's good. It's good that not every church has the exact same philosophy of ministry because not everyone is reached in the exact same way and served in the exact same way. But the way that 
we feel God has led us to set up the way in which we do ministry here at River City. It's not something that's going to change. It's something that we feel deeply committed to and something that we're very intentional about. It didn't happen by accident. It wasn't just like, oh, that's a cool idea. Let's implement that. It's something that was deeply and prayerfully and intentionally thought on and planned for and implemented and part at the, at the very root of the how we do ministry here in our church. And lastly, we want to be have relational unity. Do you like the people here? Do you want to actually give your life to the people that are a part of this local church? If you hate everyone that you walk in this building with, like that would be a, you don't commit to this church then. That would also be evidence of some weird stuff going on in your heart, but, um, <laughs> and much deeper issues, but let me, but, but it's as, just as an overarching example. Are the people here the people that you want to be committed to? Likewise, again, you don't marry someone you don't want to be with. You marry somebody you deeply want to be with, knowing that you do not agree on everything. Knowing that you probably will still fight with that person. Knowing that there will still be arguments. You don't just say, well, I guess there's a unicorn running across, so everything will be great. Everything will be perfect in this relationship. No relationships are like that. But you don't enter into a covenant with someone that you don't want to be committed to and that you don't want to wrestle with and that's not worth the arguments. That's not worth wrestling through the hard things of life together. You commit to those people because you want to be committed to them. So let me wrap up here this morning. Some of you, in response to what we've been talking about, some of you guys need to become members here at River City Church. You're... You've seen what we're about and you're on that team and you want to be committed to that. And becoming a member for you is, is a choice that you need to make to say, yes, I'm choosing to give myself to this body of believers, to this local church, to be committed here as the place by which I live out my faith and by which the gospel is advanced in my life and through my life. And some of you might be in the spot where you still have questions about what church membership is really about or, or what this church is really about and what we believe in, where, are, where we're headed. That's okay. That's good. I would really encourage you to sign up for the membership class and come. It's the best way to find out what we're about and what we believe in, where we're at. Some of you are in spaces in life where you're not sure how long you're going to be in Dubuque or you're not sure how long you're going to be in this area and you just wonder, is it even worth it to become a member at a church? Like, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know if I'm going to be leaving soon or I don't know what's going to be going on. And I would just say this. I would just echo what Spurgeon said. As quickly as we give ourselves to the Lord, we should give ourselves to the Lord's people. If, if you call this place home, that's a good sign that you should choose to be committed here. Or if you call this place home and you don't agree, then that's a good sign that you should look for a place that you can agree and call home. Some of you might realize that this is not the right place for you, and that's okay. But the solution to that is not just to attend somewhere else. The solution is to find a place where you can be committed to, where you can give yourself to that local body of believers, where you can say, I'm committed, I am deeply committed to you, not just as an attender, not just as an associate, not just as a club I've joined, but in a covenant kind of way, I'm saying I'm giving myself to you. And if that's not here, that's okay. Let us help you find a spot where you can say yes to that. Membership is not just an optional thing that's painted in Scripture. It is like, it is root is a root level thing for all of those who of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus and would want to grow up in Him. Lastly, 
Some of you need to become Christians before you can become members somewhere. Membership does not give you any special credit with God. It does not change your standing or status or relationship with him in any possible way. To be a member of a local church, you need to first be a member of the universal church. I want you to know that wherever you are at in your investigation of Jesus, in your understanding of who he is and what it would mean for you to follow him, like I just want you to know wherever you are at in that, you are welcome here. Don't ever feel in any way like we're trying to deeply pressure you on something or like you need to become a member for some reason. Don't ever feel that way. But rather, I hope that this morning has been a good helpful framework for you for that if or when you choose to follow Jesus and submit yourself to him, you'll have a reason and a framework to give yourself fully to God's people and not just to the Lord. Let us serve you. Let us bless you. Let us take care of you. Let us shepherd and care for you. Let us show Jesus to you so that one day you'll know how to do the same. Wherever you're at this morning as you think about um, the churches that you are involved in or that you come from or where your connection is here at River City or in the city of Dubuque, being a part, a covenant member, a covenant part of a local church is crucial for everyone who is a follower of Jesus. My heart for you is that you would prayerfully talk with the Lord about what next steps he's inviting you to take in response to that. And maybe that is connection as a member here at River City. That's great. Awesome. I'm excited about that. Maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe the next step is to really figure out who Jesus is to you and finalize that decision. Wherever you are at, let us help you in any way that we might be able to. Let's pray as we close this morning. God, thank you so much uh, for your word and for who you are and for all that you've done. Jesus, we're, we just come with grateful hearts to you, knowing that you love us and that you care for us deeply. God, and we are incredibly thankful as well that um, you have not saved us to be lone rangers. You've not saved us to just try to figure out our walk with you or how to live on mission with you or how to respond to your commands alone. But rather, God, you've made us as a body. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to see our desperate need to not just uh, be clothes that attach to a body and come off, but rather that we would be members of, deeply committed to parts of the body of Christ, local churches. God, we just know that that's not just for our good, but it's for your glory as we might grow up and mature into the followers that you've called us and made us to be and are making us into. God, all of that is not about us or for us, but it's about you and for you, and you are worth giving everything to. So God, give us clarity, each one of us, on the next step that you're inviting us into. God, give us a dissatisfaction with just being attenders or participants, but rather, God, deeply call our souls and our hearts into a deep kind of covenant commitment and relationship with you and with your people, our local church. We need your help. We need your leadership. We need your guidance. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us first, making a covenant with us so that we might return it to you. Amen.